0: Welcome to Raising Your Spirits. Our hope is to help you make positive changes by providing guided messages from spirit. Tuning forks, crystals, and distance healing are how we pass those messages from spirit to you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your vibrational growth with us. Your host for this version of Raising Your Spirits, Tony Ginnis. Today's going to be a big class, uh, so
1: we'll get right to it because uh, there's a lot of material I want to cover from what Spirit wanted to relay today regarding discipline. That's the the main focus of, of today. To start, what I wanted to do was find out what the definition of discipline was. Discipline is a practice of training people to obey rules or a conduct and a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience, okay? Some of us can really relate to this, that they were disciplined, and it was always very harsh. I mean, so many stories that I've had just in my own life. I had a pretty good childhood as a rule, but there was a few times where my dad was angry and was upset because the last thing he wanted me to do is become a factory worker like he was. If I had any kind of trait that would be, I didn't want to do my homework, or I didn't really feel up to doing something, and he would feel that I would slide into that average, whatever average is, because he wanted the best for me. And whenever I had this mentality where I, you know, I didn't really care for stuff, and it happens with kids, especially when you get into a teenager part, he was very upset like at that time. But this is nothing. Then I read of cases, and I read one the other day, where a student had studied really hard for this one very difficult exam. And he studied for days on end to make sure that he, he would get a good mark on this particular class. And after he wrote it, he got the results back, and it said he got 95%. And he was so happy. And he says, oh, this is so great. I got to show my dad these results because he would be so happy. Always wants to prove to his parents that he was on the right track. And he was always wanting them to be pleased with him. He came home with a score of 95% on this exam. And so he couldn't wait to get home. And he told his dad that and he showed him the exam. And his dad looked at it, and he says, so you're okay with this? student says, well, yeah, it's 95%. It's one of the highest marks. He says, oh, it's one of the highest marks. Why isn't it you being the highest mark? In other words, it's okay for you to have 95% smart and 5% stupid. That's okay with you. It went from elation to a very high... To like, he felt like he let his dad down because of those five marks. The father said, What is it about these five? Where, where did they go? All of a sudden, it's gone. You had a hundred when you went in. If you would have just written everything the way it was supposed to, you would have gotten a hundred percent. So, why are you happy with that? So, being discouraged with this situation he still was very determined to try and prove to his dad that he was smart, that he was enough, that he was a sense that he could do this. And then he started reading all kinds of uh, ways to learn and ways to be able to retain some of the information that are on some of these very difficult exams. He mastered it. He did very, very well. And then there was another exam coming up, and he said, I'm going to ace this one. He was so determined and he studied long hours. He put everything into this. And he wrote the exam and he says, I think I aced it. And when he got the exam back, he did indeed get 100%. And he says, okay, I, I, I got this. My dad's going to be so happy f- with me. And when he went home, he couldn't get home fast enough. And his dad was uh, in the living room watching TV. And he says, here you go, dad, 100%, just like you said his dad looks at it and he says, what about the bonus marks? And in any kind of a exam like this, sometimes the teacher will give you bonus marks. What happened to that? In other words, there's more discipline than just physical. You know, we hear about the points where someone's physically aggressive at their kids with spankings, and this is old. This is I'm going back like literally 40, 50, 60 years when this was a norm, all right? It's not so much now. It's happening, but more behind closed doors. If your neighbors find out you're beating your kids, now there's more that is done, and it's really frowned upon. But 50 years ago, it was not. It was everybody was kind of doing it sort of thing. When you are disciplining your kids in this way, in an aggressive manner, and then you also discipline them verbally by saying that what happened to the bonus mark, how does that child feel after realizing they got 100% and it's still not enough? What have you taught this child? That they are not enough, that they are flawed, that they're the problem. But then I I looked at this other part of it about discipline, self-discipline, and I looked up the definition of self-discipline. And this is what it says. It's the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. It's the ability to pursue what one thinks is right, despite the temptation to abandon it. So in other words, you're treating yourself very gentle. The first thing I did when I read the actual definition of it, it's been years since I've looked at, looked it up like that, but then it, it dawned on me that the lesson is that if we are looking at others, we got to be ruthless with other people to discipline them. But when we look at ourselves, we need to be kind, you know, and then I look at my clients as to when they come in, it's the exact opposite. It is the exact opposite. Most people that see me and many people that see me, they usually think that there's something wrong with them, that they are not enough. And they treat themselves horribly in the sense that they self-sabotage their success. And we hear this all the time. You're always in your own way. How many times have you heard that? Even People say that you're in your own way, you know, just get out of your own way. And we're trying to find out what that means. But when we're looking at it from the sense of discipline, when we're disciplining ourselves, the actual definition is to be gentle. But in reality, we're pretty harsh on ourselves, aren't we? Like the other day, I read a little article and a person was trying to find their car keys, just something very simple every day he was looking for his car keys. And after about a minute or so, there's cursing, there's profanity, and then he says, how stupid could I be by losing my car keys? I gotta get to the market, or I gotta get to work. And they're putting themselves down because they're looking for car keys. And that's the thing they know, they go in their pocket, and there it is, after about two or three minutes. But there was a point there that they put themselves down several times, so they're really harsh on themselves rather than saying, where are those darn keys? Where where did they go? But it's, they treat themselves very, very poorly when they think that they should have everything together. I mean, my sister seems to have their whole life together, they might say, as an example. My brother has, my parents got their, and I'm the only one, because that's what people think, their perception, right? I'm the only one that seems to be losing things. I lose my car keys. I can't seem to find a location when I come out of the supermarket I can't find where I parked you know and just simple things every day that happens and they look at that as a as a negative as, as something that is just horrible I mean the other day I told someone that they were amazing uh going through the session uh of all the trials and tribulations of what this person had to go through, and they still ended up raising fantastic children. And they got they kept everything together for many, many years. And I says, you know, you're just an amazing person. And they started to cry. And I says, where are the tears coming from? Why are you crying? Because nobody ever said that I was amazing, ever. And this person is probably close to 50. It isn't a teenager that is hearing this. It's a person that has half-teenage children. And nobody ever said I was amazing. And so that's why I'm crying, because I don't know if I believe it. It's like you have an ulterior motive or something. I says, no, I don't want anything from you. I just said it as an unconditional observation that with all the things you're doing, This is an amazing task. You're an amazing person. But they couldn't accept that because their whole life, there's something wrong with them. I've always been told I'm not smart enough or I'm not tall enough for something or I wasn't able to do so many things and I was always disciplined. My brothers and sisters sometimes weren't disciplined, but I was always seemed to be the one that got the slap in the head. Or I was always the one that got ridiculed at the dinner table, that I ate too much. So I slowed down my eating just so that I wouldn't gain any weight. I still gained weight, though, but I didn't want to make it look so obvious. That's why I was crying. But when we tell people that you're beautiful, you're strong, you're so willing, what is their reaction? Or do they look surprised? Right? When we use that very aggressive discipline, it goes way deeper than just trying to control somebody. You're changing entire life that they are trying to pursue acceptance from others. And this is where Spirit steps in and he says, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. It doesn't. Spirit has no interest in what other people think because they are looking at you through their eyes that has to go through so many filters. What I mean by that is the filter of, well, they just came to this country. Of course, it would be easy for them. Or they were lucky. Or they just have great kids because they got a good gene pool. Or whatever it is, but they'll always look at things through their eyes and it, it's always like that. I mean, just look at any kind of an accident that happens. You'll notice that the witnesses. Let's say there's ten witnesses that witness an accident. You talk to each one of those ten people. They're all different because they saw the accident through their own eyes. Oh yeah, well that person was going too fast, and and he cut through, and you know then he showed a gun, a small gun, small gun, it's the biggest gun I've ever seen. You know, in other words. You'll never get a consistent, because everyone's looking at it through their perspective. So when they're just looking at you, why would you want their approval? When we use discipline, it sort of cuts through all of that, and it happens where the discipline is learned at an early age like this. I read somewhere that the rationale in children, the rational thinking Okay, children don't develop that fully until they're 30 years old. Now, what does this mean? Rational thinking would be an example like this. Let's say you made a little campfire, okay? And on this particular day, the wind is blowing a little bit, okay? So it's going into one direction. Now, the child doesn't understand that if the wind is blowing the fire, the fire is going towards the direction of the wind. Your rational thinking would say not to play downwind from a fire, right? That's your rational thinking. But kids don't think like that. They just play all over. Next thing you know, they might you know burn their pants and make a hole in it. And then the mother or father freaks out and says, what are you doing so close to the fire? Can't you think Can't you understand? And the kids don't. Because everything a child is going through and all the decisions that they make is based on emotion. Because it's part of their brain and most of it is brought out by the amygdala. It's a part of the brain that is connected to emotion only. This is the same part of the brain that children have tantrums. When they get so Overwhelmed, and this you you see this a lot at Christmas, right? You you'll go to the in laws for you know the the whole celebration, the exchange of gifts. Then you go to the brother and sister, or the uncles and aunts, and there's more celebration, more gifts, and you know, and otherwise just such a an influx of emotion. Then you want to go down a supermarket, and then the children have a meltdown. They don't get it. The knee-jerk reaction is we want to discipline our kids. Well, whenever we go out, why do you always act up? Why are you always like this? Can't you see that we need to go shopping? And no, the kids don't see any of that. Because it's all about emotion. Then that's what that gentle feeling is all about. But if you discipline them, saying, go to your room, go to... And many people do that. And they used to do this when they used to put them in the corner on their knees and face the wall. I did that a few times. I don't know how successful it was, but anyway, it is what it is. And I had to do that for an hour sometimes, on my knees, looking at the corner of the wall. And what did I learn? I don't know. But it took a long time for me to realize that it isn't me that was wrong. But I had to battle my father's vision that he didn't want me to be a factory worker, so he wanted to drill it into me or to be better than I was. When it comes to discipline, one of the first questions I asked Spirit when I was in this zone was, can I discipline my soul? In other words, when we are at a point where our well-being is very strong, that's our soul. Can discipline work on that? And spirit said no. Discipline itself, the way you do self-discipline, it doesn't work in a non-physical environment. In other words, if you're spirit, before you come into existence, the soul can't grow directly because of discipline or self-discipline. It just is what it is. It's in that rest mode. It's in a holding pattern when it comes into a body, and we go through trials and tribulations, and there's going to be problems, and we go through emotional situations, and we could find someone to teach us this technique, or to find somebody that says, it's okay, I still love you, something in a non-threatening or a non-judgmental way, they feel that they are safe. And at that point, when a person goes through this and say, I am loved, I am somebody, I am this or I am that, I just got to work at it. That is when the soul grows, because now you're in physical form and you're improving your physical existence while your own existence is inside of you. I hope that was clear. Okay? It is only when you're in physical form that your soul grows. Period. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, if a soul wants to come in and accelerate their vibration or accelerate their whole existence, they'll usually choose the hardest life possible. And that's going into a very abusive family, not just a person, but the entire family will abuse them. They'll be on the street at 12 years old. They'll be treated so poorly uh, they'll be beaten and, you know, many other ways of being disciplined in very bad ways. And when they get to a certain point, they can release all of that, let all of it go and end up being a loving person. Their soul, I, I mean, it, it I can't even tell you how fast that will grow, but it doubles or triples or whatever that would, would mean to somebody. But it grows substantially faster than someone who has that just wants to do yoga and feel good. You know, in other words, the softer way that we can grow our soul. We'll usually choose a harder life. So those that have had a hard life, and you take your knocks, and you take your bumps, and you take your shoving, and all the people that said you couldn't do anything, you won't amount to anything, you're a waste of space, and you still come out of it treating your kids like gold, treating your spouse with the highest respect. That grows your soul incredibly. So discipline does not grow the soul. It has to go through a physical body, okay? And it's all about the consciousness. So we're just going to talk about this very quickly, about the stages of consciousness of how discipline works. Now, there's four stages of consciousness, okay? The fourth stage is called to me, T-O-M-E to me. In other words, why does always everything happen to me? The whole world is against me. In other words, you're playing the victim mentality that no matter what goes on in your life, there's blame. It's their fault. It's the government's fault. It's my family's fault. I was never treated with a lot of respect. So that's why I'm not making a lot of money. That's why I never became a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or, in other words, you're blaming something because everything happens to me. Now, I'll ask this question. When you're in that consciousness that that you are blaming, what kind of self-discipline is happening at that time? The answer is nothing. There is no self-discipline if you're accepting what's happening and you're blaming. There's no discipline. Because if you read the definition of self-discipline, it's the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. Overcome one's weaknesses. The ability to pursue whatever you think is right for you, despite the temptations to abandon it. So none of that is happening If you are blaming others and and you're saying everything happens to me, the whole world is prosperous except me. What happened to me? Okay. The third consciousness is one level above that. And it's like this by me. It's B-Y-M-E. Everything I have in my life is because comes by me. I did this humanly. I had to work the long hours. I had to do all of these things to raise my family. It was all because of me. What happens here is that fear is in place. It's the ability to want to impress other people. It's the ability that your whole life is ego-based. I did this. Me. Nobody else. Nobody gave me the life that I have, I had to do it all by myself. So it's by me, okay? Again, there isn't a lot. There's a little bit of self-discipline there because you had to get up and say, I'm going to do this. So there is a discipline. It's just angry. I will prove to my dad that I am great. I will prove to my dad or my mom or my brother or my boss or my government or whoever it is, it's a proving energy that I want to do this and prove to them that I am a good person. So in other words, there's, and you're doing it all by yourself. So it's a solo trip. Okay. So there is self-discipline there, but it's all based on anger. It's all based on fear. It's all based on just getting it done and true grit, really what it comes down to. Now, the second consciousness is one above that, and that is through me. And this is where we start to get uh, the law of attraction in place. This is where we start to realize that you don't actually do this. So You have a partnership with you in your little ego and the universe. So you're, you're letting in a little bit of the universe fate. You're letting in destiny. You're letting in all of these things that you have no control over, and you're saying everything goes through me. In the second one when you say by me, I had these kids and they had to come through my loins. Okay? But in this way the kids came through me. You're letting letting that go in the sense that it is not only you you're doing all of the things necessary through you. You do your healing through you. You let other people come and go and everything goes right through you. You're not holding on to anything or very little, okay? And this part of your self-discipline is much more refined. It is the part that says, I'm going to do the very best I can today and whatever I do will be fine and that's just going to go through me, right? That one's where most people, I think, about A good majority of the population, that is the consciousness that they want to attain. But many people are at the third one. They think it's all about them, and it's all about just getting the task done. And so there's a little bit of bleeding in or blending in of the third consciousness to the second. When you get to the second, you're pretty much in that peaceful state where you're just letting things happen. And when things happen, you're saying, thank you, spirit. You get a good parking space. Thank you, spirit. It's nice to have a good parking spot. You didn't say, oh, I got lucky, right? You know it's not about that. So once you get through that, that level of self-discipline is very nice because things just start happening. Your stress starts to come down. Your expansion of what is is it gets better in the sense that it's okay if i don't know stuff. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we said you don't know anything, right? And for some people, that would drive them crazy if i don't know anything. But when you accept the fact that i don't know and i'm okay with that, that's part of this consciousness as well. It is everything goes through me. And of course, the ultimate is as me, a s m e. And what that means is i am the same as a tree. I am the same as another person. There's no difference. Everything is as it should be. Very few people get to that stage. That's when you become uh, like an avatar in it's in that higher state. But if you can get to level two, you've done so much to your discipline and all of it grows your soul. Okay, I hope that sort of cleared a few of the questions up that you might have been tossing with, how far does this go, and the consciousness there. So if you are at that stage where you're in that third stage, everything is by me, and you have a little bit of the other, that's great, and it is that bleeding. But it's amazing when we go from the fourth consciousness to me, it's a big step when you get to everything comes has to be by me because that is uh, a, a very important step where you're going from a uh, an inferior mentality of who you think you are to a more positive. I can do this. I just got to get down and get to work, right? There's just a couple of points of uh, Spirit wanted to um, get you to also realize that when it comes to discipline, there's two things that it could really enhance your life. The most obvious one, of course, when you are disciplined, the self disciplined, you can bring in habits. You can bring in good habits. Like if you got the habit of, let's say, uh, and I heard this the other day, when I go to bed, uh, sometimes I feel a little peckish at night. So at nine o'clock, I'll have like a bowl of cereal or I'll have something to eat. And then, It's still in your system when you go to sleep. So that is perhaps what some people will say is not a good habit. Some people uh, that are trainers and uh, nutritionists say either 6 or 7 o'clock should be your last meal and your last drop of water. So take a nice big glass of water at 7 because you don't drink anything until you go to bed at 10 or 11. There's that time where your body can absorb that and you don't eat until the following morning of uh, 8, 9, 10, whatever it is, you have breakfast, okay? When you use discipline, it does change the not-so-good habits to better habits for your physical body. Now, the other thing that's critical that you absolutely need discipline if you have an addiction, this is an obvious one, if you are addicted to gambling, if you're addicted to drugs, if you're addicted to whatever it is that you're addicted to, smoking is another one then it takes discipline the whole time to get out of that very addictive habit. There are regular habits which aren't that good, but you could tweak it. Not eating for until 7 o'clock and don't eat it after is sort of, you could say, compared to getting off drugs, is much easier to not eat anything after 7, right? It, it's sort of a gentle habit. An addictive habit is much more critical and that, and it takes a very difficult and a very strong discipline, self-discipline to say, okay, I'm, I know what this does to my family. I know if I keep gambling, we're going to end up losing everything. I'll end up losing my marriage and my kids and all of that. So because of that, I'm going to just not gamble anymore. But here's the thing. Having an addiction that strong and we hear this a lot, if it is that strong, all it takes is one night going out with the boys or going out with your friends and having another cigarette, even though you haven't smoked for 20 years, one cigarette and you're back on to a pack a day. We hear this all the time. So what happens is with an addiction, the discipline has to be replacing the habit of addiction all the time, and you can't let your guard down. Now, there are ways that you can reprogram yourself, but in a sense, it is how, that's how important we have this gift of self-discipline so that we can make our lives better. If it's the drugs, or if it's the smoking, or if it's the gambling, or it, many other addictions that we have that are in the way, and that's in the way of you growing as a person, you have to decide whether or not you're going to be using constant discipline. And some people say, I'm not a very disciplined person. I'm actually quite wild. i just not very disciplined at all. Then you have to make the decision of whether you're going to say, well, are you going to give up or are you going to lose your family? And some people will say, well, I don't want to go that far. Okay, I'll do it for them. And however way you start, that's fine. But in the end, you can't that it is not sustainable to always do it for someone else, to always do it for your dad, always do it for your mom or your family or your kids. It doesn't work. It's not sustainable for a long period of time. Somewhere in there, you have to mesh it together and say to yourself as a discipline, now I'm doing it for me. It's only then that that is more sustainable. Because the kids grow up right they'll leave home so many other things change i mean if the spouse passes away does that mean you're going to go back to gambling and using drugs that doesn't make much sense so it has to be something for you that is more sustainable that's where that discipline comes in so it is a tricky thing but when we have clients that have an addiction then the discipline energy is a little different or if it's, uh, if it's another habit that's not that greatest. Maybe you like to sleep in until 10. Well, that's not a good habit when it comes to nutrition. The, getting up at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. is the best, they say, nutritionists have, when you can exercise at 7 a.m. and you go to sleep at 10 or 11 max. But some people are up all night and they go to bed at 7 a.m. and they get up at 2 p.m. That Again, that's a habit that can change. And, it, and it's easier than the other addictive habits, okay? There's a few ways that you can use the discipline. It's very simple. Going to give you some easy ones, okay, that you can make a note. One, make your bed. When you get up, you make that bed. What it does is it resets the day because when you come back and your bed is not done, you are planting in the energy of an unfinished business How many times have you started something and never finished the task? halfway through you get sort of bored. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know what I was thinking to even start this okay It starts with making your bed. So when you get in at night and you're going to bed your bed is done. so you you have that energy that's something that you are completing until the end. okay That's how important that is. it goes deeper than that but you make your bed. The second thing is drink water at least a liter of water when you get up, or a half a liter of water, just because your brain needs this. It uses 20% of the water that's in your system, yet it's only uh, a, a very 3% body weight compared to your, your body weight itself. Your brain needs that water so you can start deciphering things and, and figuring out how things are going. The next thing is brush your teeth with the opposite hand. And what this does is when you normally brush your teeth with your right hand, that's what I do, in the morning you do the same thing, but now with your left hand, okay? What it does is it gets to your circuitry and it reprograms yourself that I can do different things in a different way. Again, it is a habit that you're slowly telling the energy that I can break a habit simply by using the opposite hand. If you normally put your pants on and you put your right foot in first, use your left foot. In other words, everything is opposite. Put your socks on backwards. Don't make them match. You know, you, you know you you're, you can be rebellious and you could be artistic in ways that nobody will see. It's very rare that I wear socks that match because the society says, "Well, get socks that everything has to match." And as a free-thinking spirit, I want to be able to do things on my own. So that's one way that you can do it so subtly. Nobody will see it, but your socks don't match, okay? Another one is meditate. And sometimes people will just sit quietly for 10 minutes. And if that is your meditation, if you want to call it that, you do that. But you need time to yourself. You can't just go from the bed to running out of the door all the time. There are times where, yes, things are in a hurry, get it. But there also has to be moments of quiet, of peace. Have this 10 minutes to yourself. It's just for you. Again, you're doing this for yourself. The other thing is exercise. This helps the movement and it uh, creates uh, that training inside you that uh, makes things go a lot faster. You think faster. And it could be just a brisk walk around the block. Or if you have a treadmill. Or if you have whatever that you use to do some kind of movement, go up and down the stairs uh, four or five times. And I'll give you one extra one. There's about 10 altogether. i will give you one more. Uh, sleep. Sleep is very important when we are sleep-deprived. And apparently the latest statistics, and this blew me away, 55% of the population are not getting enough sleep. So more than half of the population are getting into their cars and they're about ready to doze off. Think about that. So not only do we have devices in our cars that we can text while we're driving, we're not even that alert that we, we had enough sleep. They'll go with two, three hours of sleep or whatever it is, and but that's a, a sort of a very quiet epidemic in our society that we think that we have to be on our devices until 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, or 3 in the morning with our computers and think that by sleeping at 3... To 7 or 8 is enough, not realizing that your devices are emitting blue light and all these other lights that uh, you you'd never get into that uh, delta sleep. It's always very, very shallow and it's just not enough. These are something that you can handle and you could change quickly because they're easy discipline habits to work from. Let's get right into the meditation. What we want to do today is I want you to choose something in your life, whether it's the eating thing or the, the quiet time or whatever that's in your life that you feel you've always had a challenge to shift or to change. Today, we're going to do that. I want you to pick one. It doesn't have to be the most difficult one, but even can you incorporate something into your life that you could discipline yourself to make yourself little better than you were before. What can you change? What would you change if we can wave a magic wand? What would you change today, right now, to make yourself a little better and nobody has to know? That's the beauty of it. It's not about other people. It's about how you feel about yourself. Okay? Choose one and want you to look at your childhood as well to see where this habit came from, why you're eating late, maybe why you're smoking, maybe why you're not exercising. or You don't need to know the why. You just need to know, okay, and assess whether or not this is helping you. If it's helping you, you keep that habit. If it's always holding you back and you want to say, no, and I need to change this, but I haven't been able to, pretend it's in yourself. Just like we did with the child. Where is this energy in your chest, in your stomach, in your hands, in your throat, in your head, back of your head? Where is this energy that is constantly telling you that you have this habit that you can't change? And I want you to start pulling it out, put it into your hand and start talking to it. In this meditation, I want you to get all that done. And while that's going, we'll see where we are at the end of this, okay? Okay. Whatever habit that you have that isn't serving you. First thing you want to say is, I am powerful. I am. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I don't have to do this. Where did this come from? And then when in the meditation, it'll come up where you first saw this. And it's usually going to be a childhood thing. Because we're using the color of blue, it's all about acknowledgement. It's all about expression. And it's all about just saying That, okay, I know it's there. And then from there, it's like, you know, now that I know it's there, I really don't want it there. And I could wait for someone else to do it, but it's not about other people. It's about me. Why am I waiting? Some people don't get rid of poison ivy. They'll just put a little gate around it with a big sign, don't go here. (laughs) Or someone could say... I don't want poison ivy in there at all because the first thing kids will do is jump the fence. (laughs) You know, in other words, there's an action part of it, but you won't get there right away. And don't expect you to. It takes a little coaxing. And before you get to that point, before you're saying, okay, I am now self-disciplined where I could be gentle on myself. Now, this could be, uh, you know, getting another job. This could be... uh, finally getting out to working out. You you always know that you need to work out, do exercise, but let's say you never do it, but you know what's important. Whatever the, the shift is to go from one to the other, you do it slowly. Maybe you could just go for a walk just at the end of your laneway and back, right? And then in, in an hour, you could do it from the neighbor's laneway and back. Well, I could do that. Again, you're doing it gradually, and it's From that, that you say, well, now that I'm outside, I might as well go a little further. It's always getting out the door that's the issue. It's not walking the 10K. It's getting out the door. Once you get out the door, oh, okay, now it's a beautiful day. I'll just go for a longer walk. It is more about that. The action is built in to the igniting yourself just to do something. Let's get right into it. All right. So I want you to take a nice deep breath. I want you to breathe in the color light blue or sky blue. Breathe that in and just uh, bring it full of lungs and then just blow it out. All right. Now, I want you to think about this habit as you're hearing the the words. You don't have to follow the words, but the words in the background is the Ho'oponopono. It's a Hawaiian meditation chant. It's a very relaxing one, so you can go through, and let's find out where we are so that we can start doing this habit that you've always wanted to start, and you're at a point where I could, you could see yourself, you know what, I think I can do this, and I'm going to start now, or I'm going to start the moment at the end of the day, or I'm going to start tomorrow first thing, and you actually do it, All right. So what is that catalyst for you it will always be different. So take a nice deep breath. and we'll see you in a bit. I love you. I'm sorry.
2: Please forgive me. Please forgive me.
0: For listening to Raising Your Spirits. If there is a subject you would like to hear in a future podcast or would like to book a session with Tony, reach out to his Facebook group at Janice Shields Natural Healing Center or group tuning classes with Tony on his online virtual weekly classes. The YouTube channel is Suzanne and Tony 17. That's Suzanne and Tony, all one word and the number 17. And the website is lovehigherself.com. Until next time, Namaste.